Pennsylvania Tickling you around Delaware before I hit her Talk to seduction from face hips to feet A wiggle and a tickle can make the night complete Now since you got the body up the air Come and get the award Oh yes, just shake your rump here on 4for4.com's DFS MVP with me Holden Kushner and 4for4.com's director of DFS, TJ Hernandez. Thank you so much for playing a true classic from the early 90s. One of the all-time classics, Rump Shaker, from the 1992 album Harder Smooth. The band is Rex in Effect. You might know them better a little bit by the Rileys, Teddy Riley, on that track. You'll find that track along with all of the other intros to the DFS MVP podcast on our playlist on Spotify. It's called DFS MVP. Just search it on Spotify or look for it on my Twitter. I'm always tweeting out the link to that along with the podcast. Before we get into everything today, Underdog Fantasy has a new format for snake drafts. It's called Battle Royale. One week snake drafts where you not only play against teams in your draft, but you play against teams from other drafts in a tournament style structure. Search Underdog Fantasy in the App Store or go to underdogfantasy.com and use code 4 for 4 That's the number 4, F-O-R, the number 4, to let them know that we sent you. I'm just, right now, I'm just so happy you played that song. It's going to be in my <laughs> head all night long. Oh, that saxophone. Oh, everything. Just the poom poom part and the boom boom, all the booms and the pooms. And, Little known fact, actually, what? actually, Pharrell's first hit was the saxophone loop on that song before Get Pharrell out of here. got popular. That's how that's how we kind of got going by playing the saxophone by making the saxophone loop on that track. Wow. Good job. Nice. That's a that is a wonderful pull right there. Virginia Beach. That is a wonderful. Is Are you like repping Virginia Beach? No, I was just watching a hip hop documentary on Netflix and saw that come up. So I had to. Uh, bring the knowledge and the track to the podcast this week which one is it because i want to check it out uh hip-hop evolution on netflix it's a it's a tremendous i think okay. it's a four season series really okay. good i'm gonna check that out then i like the old school hip-hop uh week 11 value plays what we got this week we're also yep. going to talk about playing short slates because the thanksgiving slate is possibly the best slate of the year possibly yeah it's and right uh and we're not going to be back before the thanksgiving slate uh, just cause it's a holiday week. So we won't be recording till Friday next week, dropping Saturday. So we'll go over some short slate theory so that once everybody gets this, this week, they could take the theory, get ready for Thanksgiving next week. Wonderful. Let's, uh, get into this before we do though, promo code DFS MVP, use it when you get 25% off the already discounted price of 49 bucks and get access to our discord channel too. Which is huge. I mean, look at this. 25% off 49 bucks. Why not? That's the only question I can say. Why are you not? If you haven't already signed up, you listen to us every week, you might as well subscribe already and try and win some more money. The Discord channel. TJ, it's huge. It's fun. Every week uh, I go in there with all of my updated research, all the updated projections, and uh, we, we have a back and forth kind of like this, but more specific obviously to what the users are talking about last week i couldn't do it on saturday so we had, we did a sunday morning chat that was really fun getting ready uh for that crazy slate but every week we're in there uh just trying to figure figure stuff out a lot changes between now and saturday afternoon saturday evening depending on where you're at when we do that ama so uh, it's it's a it's a fun one all right let's do this uh if you want 
plays for the Thanksgiving slate, Deshaun Watson, Brandon Cooks, uh, Will Fuller, and Antonio Gibson are my core right now. All right. Good okay. Time. I know we're, we're, what, about a week ahead of that? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Well, it is, we'll, it is the best slate of the. Oh, it's so much fun. It really is. Just drop those salaries already. Sit at home. Even even the Washington Dallas game is going to be good. Yeah. You know, it's like it's probably not going to be, but I'll still watch it. <laughs> Let's get to the main slate this week. Yep. Hack quarterback Lamar Jackson, eighty four hundred fan, uh, eighty four hundred Fanduel, and then seventy three hundred on DK against the Tennessee Titans and. It's kind of like what happened last year with Mahomes, you know, and, and it was injury with Mahomes this year. Lamar's just taking that step back and kind of expected it. And on this slate, though, big names are missing, TJ. Yeah, we have uh, Russ and Kyler Thursday night, Mahomes uh, primetime, Josh Allen on a bye. So we have a, a pretty watered down quarterback slate. So not to say that Lamar's not in a in a good spot, but we don't have uh those slam duck spots that we've seen from some of those guys in in previous weeks so with all of that lamar is our uh our top value on fanduel top three value on DraftKings. baltimore they are projected for almost 28 points according to uh the the betting odds the lamar jackson's uh, rushing yardage it's not as high as it was last year but he's still averaging 60 yards per game on the ground so he's I would argue he offers the highest floor on this slate with all of those guys uh, that I mentioned not playing. And let me throw something at you. I would argue that if you take away Kyler Murray's rushing touchdowns, which is a very uh, high variance number, him and Lamar are actually kind of playing at the same level right now. They have a very similar yards per attempt. They have a very similar touchdown rate. Kyler actually has a higher interception rate. Kyler's only rushing for seven more yards per game. They have almost identical fantasy points per pass attempt. If we look at the passing numbers, really the only difference is volume. Lamar's only thrown it 247 times compared to Kyler's 311 times, but Kyler only has three more passing touchdowns. He also has three more interceptions. Uh, so obviously Kyler has 10 rushing touchdowns. Lamar has one, I think. So that's where the gap is. But if we look at how they're playing, uh, the numbers aren't that different. Now, if you watch the games, obviously Arizona's playing a lot better, uh, higher power brand of football than Baltimore right now. There's no denying that. But against a Tennessee team that teams are throwing at at the second highest rate in neutral game script over the last six weeks, if Lamar can get one of those games where he doesn't need to throw it 40 times, he's efficient enough. He, if he throws it 25 to 30 times and has his rushing game and gets some of that rushing touchdown variance, like he could easily throw for two and rush for two in this one. So uh, I, I think Lamar kind of – he has a really nice schedule down the stretch. I think we start to see Lamar flash some of that Lamar we saw in 2019. Hmm. Yeah, I think I don't think the variance with touchdowns really applies to Kyler Murray in this instance. Sure, sure. I mean, there's they're 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 setting up plays on the goal line, like he is their goal line back. Um, but I'm just saying, if, if you look at efficiency numbers, Lamar's throwing it. Him and Kyler are throwing it kind of similarly. So if Lamar can have that ceiling rushing game this week, the point is, I think he can have a Kyler like game. Okay, Ben Roethlisberger. Taking on the Jaguars, 8K on FanDuel, 6,700 on DraftKings. They're expected to put up a lot of points. And boy, mm -hmm. he's just got three guys right now. Juju, 
Claypool, Deontay Johnson, all these guys, they're very explosive, balanced at wide receiver. I don't think they've had balance like this. Uh, Maybe, what was it, Mike Wallace, Shoot. Antonio or, Brown, and there was maybe some, before that Antoine Randall or something Hines like Ward. that. Hines Ward, yep. Yeah, I mean it's been a long time, and I, I was reading an article um, from Mark Cavill. He, he he's been covering the Steelers forever, saying they've been working toward this for years and years and years, and they finally have found the balance at wide receiver, and now we're starting to see Roethlisberger. He's like the I I can't play quarterbacks that don't run anymore, but I'm kind of drawn to Roethlisberger this week. A, because the big guys are gone, and B, he's putting up some numbers. Yeah, the big guys gone are, are, are a big part of plays like this. Again, if you add if you add all those guys we talked about back on to the slate, um, Roethlisberger probably isn't even really a blip on our radar outside of GPP plays. Uh, and he actually still doesn't rank that high uh, in our value reports. He does rank higher on FanDuel than he does on DraftKings, but I thought it was really important to bring him up, as you mentioned, uh, just under 29 implied points for the Steelers. That is the highest on the main slate. The Jaguars rank outside the top 20 and four for four schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to every position, but they're especially bad against quarterbacks rank 30th, allowing the most fantasy points per pass attempt on the season. And you nailed it. What I, the reason I wanted to bring up Ben is because I want a piece of this offense somewhere. If I'm playing cash games, I, I don't know that you're doing anything but guessing if you try to figure out what wide receiver you're going to play. I mean, sure, you can look at Chase Claypool on on Fandle and say, well, he has the high average depth of target. He has slightly more targets inside the 10, so he kind of fits Fandle a little bit more. But with all of these guys kind of around that, depending on the game, when they're all playing in the last three or four weeks, they can all fluctuate between 17 18% or 30% of the targets. Uh, and it's not always just going to be a hard matchup um, uh, dependent type thing because they're all, like you said, uh, they are very, very balanced. So if you can't figure it out, but they're all really good, then why not just take the guy that's throwing it to all of them? And then on top of it, James Conner, he's getting his like normal workload in terms of backfield share, but they're just not running the ball very well right now. So I don't know if he, you can really trust him. And it seems like Pittsburgh, uh, even whether they trust him or not, they don't really want to be running that much. They're throwing at the third highest rate in neutral game script over the last six weeks. And then Big Ben has uh, really no concern of getting pressure. The Steelers have the best offensive line in terms of uh, adjusted sack rate allowed. The Jaguars have the worst defensive front in terms of adjusted sack rate against opposing passers. So things set up really nicely for the Steelers here. And I think you should be figuring out a way to get um, access to this offense obviously in gpps you're kind of gonna sprinkle in and mix and match all of the guys including ebron and including uh connor but uh, roethlisberger is uh, is the syrup over the pancakes as our old firm run for johnny likes to say oh boy that sounds delicious i would love <laughs> some pancakes and syrup right now i actually might make that for dinner <laughs> <laughs> oh, not as good as the Mexican food that you had a couple weeks ago when I told you I was starving for Mexican food. And oh, was, yeah. And then you sent me a picture of it, and I got kind of irate, and I was a little jealous, very jealous. Yeah, man. Yeah, well, you, you, I, you I can. You inspired you, me. I make great pancakes, though, so I'm not worried <laughs> about it. Hey, before we get into the running backs then, I want, I want to ask you about James Conner. Yeah. 
So the case can be made that he'll have a big day. He has really struggled. He he doesn't seem like he's as fast. And there were rumblings that maybe later in the season, Benny Snell start taking away his workload. He he hasn't looked good the last two weeks. This is a matchup play only. Like, how comfortable do you feel rostering Dalvin Cook? Or not Dalvin Cook, James um, Conner. James Conner. Well, I mean, he he's only a few games removed from a 17-point PPR game. Um, f- from the bye week through week eight, he had about 15 PPR points in every game. So he hasn't had that big 20, 25-point game since before the bye, but it's not like he is scoring low because he's losing a bunch of, of backfield work. He's played 90% of the snaps last week, saw 88% of the backfield touches or something like that. Uh, like I said, they're just they're They've been a pass first offense over the past five or six weeks. Um, and he, if he's not scoring touchdowns, um, he's not going to be a guy that's putting up big numbers. Like he's not going to get more than four or five targets in a game. Um, but it's also a week where no matter what position we look at, we don't really have a lot of guys that have comfortable floors. Uh, so even in cash this week, if if you decide you don't want to play Ben, if you want to play Lamar or you go elsewhere, uh, there aren't a lot of options. So he's definitely in my cash game pool. I don't know if I'll actually pull the trigger on it, but I mean, how many other guys on the slate are giving you 90% of the backfield work as a nine point favorite. Like you, you kind of have to uh, just suck it up in those spots, I think, and, and take the risk sometimes. I might suck it up and just not do it this week and, yeah. and deal with it, deal with it. You know, there's, I mean, there's, a, there's enough other guys. There, there are yeah. other guys. Like I think if you take Connor out, your, your cash game pool of running backs comfortably is four, maybe five players. There's a couple fringe guys, but yeah. there aren't a lot of guys that I'm comfortable playing cash this week. Well, I think the Dalvin Alvin Kamara thing is going to be interesting. Cook's 10, mm-hmm. five on FanDuel. Kamara's nine seven. Mm-hmm. Kamara is nine two on DK. Cook is two hundred less at nine thousand. They're taking on Dallas. Dalvin has been on fire. So my question for you is not as much about Dalvin. Real quick would be about Alvin Kamara and if you think that the amount of checkdowns that Breeze did would continue with Jameis Winston. Yeah, that's um, that's, that's the, the big question. question mark, and that's why I I have Dalvin uh, over. Alvin Kamara, just because we don't know what that offense is going to look like. Um, I mean, we'll get into a little, little bit later. There's actually some some interesting plays in that game, but it's last week we didn't see Jameis uh, let loose, but obviously that was unexpected, him having to play. With Tampa Bay last year, and, and just throughout Jameis's career, he's been, been one of the most high-variance quarterbacks, but also let it rip uh, more than any quarterback, usually near the top of the league in deep rate, uh, but we haven't seen the Saints have that offense really in, I don't know, when was the last time Breeze was really consistently throwing deep when maybe to Marcus Colston and Jimmy Graham together, um, but this isn't an offense that's really set up to do that, so I would assume, if I had to guess, that they tried to keep a similar offense, run everything through Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, and not let Jameis make huge mistakes that we've seen him make over the years in Tampa. Uh, let's see your Dalvin cook. 
Huge favorite. What did he get? 30 carries the other night? 31 in prime time? Yeah. I mean, it's just, you, you got to do this one. You got to play. You got to build around him and catch. Yeah, we, we don't have the uh, question marks that we just had when we talked about Camara. Minnesota favored by seven and a half. Uh, Minnesota projected to score almost 28 points. Dalvin averaging 30 touches per game since his injury. Minnesota is the best offensive line in terms of adjusted line yards, uh, according to Football Outsiders. Dallas, third worst defensive line in the same, uh, same category. Dalvin's averaging... 143 total yards per game, 1.6 touchdowns per game. And last week was his first game without a touchdown. I mean, the, he's putting up like, I mean, he's at 10-5 now. He's putting up Christian McCaffrey numbers. That's why Christian McCaffrey was the only back-breaking $10,000 last year, and we still jammed him in. And this week we're doing the same because he's the highest floor player on the slate by a mile. Uh, and there is enough value around where you can – I don't know if you're ever comfortably fitting in a 10-5 back on FanDuel. 9,000 on DraftKings is a little more palatable, but it's still really expensive. But there's uh, there's enough to make it work and not feel like you're overextending yourself this week. Yeah, this, there's a couple of different builds that are interesting. Maybe you mm -hmm. go high. You can go high-end wide receiver because you can find some discounts like uh, our guy DeAndre Swift. Yep. I wouldn't say huge disc. He's not a cheap player, but 6.4. Well, what, how many snaps did he have? 70% or something last week? I mean, yeah, I think he was right around 80%. He saw 75% uh, of the backfield touches. Oh, yeah. He's taking it over. And he's yeah. just, he's been terrific to this point. He's 6,900 Fandle, 6,400 DK, and Detroit's taking on Carolina. And we, uh, he was actually in our, uh, recent player trend segment last week he was our this was our guy that's yeah. this is our our 2020 miles sanders it's your once he hits that we i think we actually use 70 percent as the example once he hits that number he's going to be the the uber mega chalk and you're going to have missed uh missed the mark on him now obviously he's in a very valuable spot but he is probably going to be mega chalk this week uh so hopefully you got some gpp action on him last week i don't think uh i think his price will only go up i think his ownership will only continue to increase or be around uh the the highest zone guys in the league now obviously detroit uh has some concerns on offense every week because they're detroit and even more so this week because they could be without matthew stafford but if if swift is going to carry this three quarters of the backfield workload for this offense uh, then you're gonna you're gonna smash the lock button every time at uh, sub seven thousand dollars. Carolina's arguably the biggest run funnel, at least in terms of uh, fantasy points in the league. They rank twenty eighth in four for four schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to the position, but they are top six against both quarterbacks and wide receivers. Uh, DeAndre Swift, one of the great things about him he's a very versatile player catch the ball obviously run the ball the panthers allow the fourth most rushing yards they're tied for the most receptions allowed so they can get beat uh, in a multitude of ways by versatile backs very interesting at running back this week do you think uh kalen ballage has enough of a ceiling with his increased work because i think everybody playing the jets has enough of a ceiling okay. if you're getting 15 to 20 touches yeah it's a fine point you make. <laughs> Wide receiver. Here we go. 
F1, baby. Terry McLaurin, 7,300 FanDuel, 6,900 DK. Captain Checkdown, Alex Smith actually likes throwing to Terry McLaurin. Um, we got a yak daddy here, McLaurin. Yards after the catch, and he's taking on Cincinnati. It looks pretty nice to me. Yeah, I think this. I think the Terry McLaurin play is more about uh, let, letting everybody know that he's he's going to be fine. Not that he had, a, he had a bad game. I think he saw nine targets last week. But some people, if they look at target share, they might see that it, it did dip a little bit with Alex Smith. Uh, but it wasn't like it was Stephen Sims or or uh, or a tight end or another wide receiver that was cutting into Terry McLaurin's share. Like you said, Alex Smith likes to check down, and we saw J.D. McKissick get huge target shares uh the last two weeks right around 30 percent both weeks he's not going to sustain that over the course of the season that's naturally going to drop off and i think we see that start to drop off this week uh cincinnati they rank 31st in schedule adjusted points to wide receivers 29th first quarterback so they definitely could get beat uh in that part of the field they rank top half against running backs and schedules just to fantasy points, but especially in full PPR. They've allowed the third fewest receptions to running backs this season. So McLaurin, sub 20% target share for the first time all season last week. Uh, and again, I think that was a huge part because McKissick just saw like the complete ceiling range of his targets. I think everything normalizes a little bit. Terry McLaurin's going to get back to his 25 to 30 percent target share alex smith isn't dumb alex smith knows how to use a wide receiver like this and the way you attack cincinnati is through the air love it absolutely uh love him this week justin jefferson 6700 fanduel 6k on dk taking on dallas uh do you have a hard lean on jefferson over thielen uh jefferson is uh cheaper significantly cheaper on both sides Thielen's all the way up at 700 mm -hmm. 7900 on Fandle so I think it's a kind of a no-brainer on DraftKings it's only I think it's only a $300 gap yeah uh, so obviously it's a lot closer there uh, both of these guys are, are seeing very similar volume over the last six weeks they both have the exact same target share 23.6 percent of the Vikings targets so either way we, we like to be on these offenses where they have very concentrated passing attack it's unlikely that anybody outside of these guys is, is going to take away from them uh dallas is 25th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing wide receivers we have uh chidobe awuzie returning this week to to starter action he got he got hurt after in week two went on ir and then they're talking about him coming back didn't come back into a starter role and now that they're struggling they're putting him back in as a starter in his limited action this year he's allowed the third most fantasy points per route uh, obviously small sample but this is a, a dallas team that's struggling all around they're kind of shaking things up where they can uh, but when wuzier has been in he's struggled this year and i like uh, tying uh, my wide receivers to efficient passers and you would say, well, his quarterback is Kirk Cousins. But do you know who leads the league in yards per attempt? Probably Kirk Cousins since you it's brought Kirk, this up. It's, it's Kirk Cousins. And he's also fourth in fantasy points per pass attempt. So, yes, obviously Kirk Cousins has huge flaws. Uh, he's been throwing a ton of interceptions this year, but he's been giving his wide receivers opportunities to make plays. He's been pushing the ball downfield. Justin Jefferson got pigeonholed as the slot receiver because that's how he got used in college. 
He is a lot more than that. He's an all-around versatile receiver that could beat you deep. And Kirk Cousins has surprisingly been giving him the opportunity to do that um, and has this passing game. Even though they're not using it a ton, they obviously run uh, as much as any other team. But when they do, they've been pretty efficient throwing the ball. All right. Very good. I like it. I'll take that one. We'll move on to Jacoby Myers. Oh, boy. Uh, Cam Newton loves him some Jacoby Myers, is all yeah. I'll say. Wasn't he a preseason star last year? Last right? year. Yep. And he 2019. Just blew up. Oh, this guy's going to be a star. We were all over him. And Brady just didn't have the timing with him. And right. it's a different thing with Newton and Myers. He's 6,000 on FanDuel, 4,900 DraftKings at Houston. Yeah, and I, I I didn't envision a scenario where uh, just the way the season started and, and how I've always thought about Cam Newton as a quarterback, that this was going to be an offense that we are going to have a reliable weekly receiver uh, for lots of reasons. I mean, even whatever you think about Cam as a passer, he's going to throw a ton. And then we saw New England, uh, they were even early in the season, like when Edelman and... Um, Who's their other receiver that was getting a lot of work early in the year? Nikhil Harry? Yeah, Nikhil know. Harry. Yeah. When they had a huge target share, it was a huge target share on like 20 pass attempts. So it wasn't very reliable. And and it's not like New England's throwing a ton more, but Jacoby Myers has seen such a big percentage of the targets that he's made it undeniable. He isn't priced up high enough that you could ignore it even if you wanted to. Only 6000 on FanDuel. 4,900 on DraftKings. He's a lead leaguer in tar- league leader in target share over the last month. 40% over the last month. Hasn't had a game below 29% of the targets. Three of those games, at least 39% of the targets. 10-plus targets in two of the last three games. So this is a, this is a game that now, with, with Jacoby seeing so much of Cam's targets, you can... You can stack Cam and Jacoby together in tournaments. Uh, this is a game that you could stack in, in a in a week where there just aren't a lot of high totals. And again, there aren't a lot of pay down options across the board. So Jacoby is going to save you salary if you're trying to get up to guys like Dalvin this week. It's an interesting game stack, too. I think it's mm-hmm. really interesting. Really interesting. Uh, tight end. You know, I thought I was being clever saying, oh, let's play Tyson, uh, Taysom Hill on FanDuel. And then everybody likes it. So it's a good idea. Let's do well, it. It's 4,500. Come on. Yeah, they just it's crazy. I'm I'm pretty sure they just switched it on Monday. I, I would have noticed it if they did it before. I don't no, know. No, they did. They did. Okay, it was okay, yeah, yeah. Last I week I sure played him. Right. And now with Drew Brees out, I mean they, they haven't they actually haven't officially named Jameis Winston the starter. Um, but I mean I I would assume that Jameis is the starter. But I mean it it could be a situation where they're it's it's package dependent. It's it's scenario dependent on who's in there. Uh, obviously, Taysom already has a lot of ways that he's used near the goal line and um, in, in different packages as the quarterback, as a wide receiver, as a rusher. So if we get some kind of indication that Taysom's going to get even like half of the snaps at quarterback, I think you can make a legit argument that he's cash viable on FanDuel. Now you're going to have to get at tight at the tight end position. I mean, where where are you going to get a higher floor? And again, we're going to have to get a very strong indication. Basically, Sean Payton saying there's they're rotating series or something like that, which I don't think we'll get. Um, but you definitely have to think about them uh, in tournaments in, in a game that really could be a shootout. Uh, I, I don't know if you can like use them in in 50 percent of lineups or anything like that. But if you're getting a tight end almost at minimum salary that might get 
I don't know, 15 quarterback snaps. Like he's definitely the highest floor tight end of the week, right? I don't think you even need to do that. I think you just play him in cash anyways. Like mm-hmm. I need to go. It's really other, close. Four point five K. Now here's my concern. Last year when Bridgewater was in there, Hill was not involved, but we're seeing him yeah. already a lot more involved this year. Mm-hmm. And let me see here. Let's see the rushing attempts. This is just the last three weeks. Five, seven, eight. Um, he has three receptions over the last three weeks. He might throw a couple passes now. Yeah. Um, so I mean, if, if you if if yeah. you believe that his floor is five touches, I mean, sure, they're he's not going to get the half PPR points that a tight end would get, but he has like if if he has even a little bit more than the normal workload he's seen this year, he has as high of a floor as any tight end. I mean, maybe he only gets you three or four fantasy points, but every tight end on the slate has a floor of one or two points. We don't have Kelsey on the slate. Mark Andrews has been struggling. So every tight end on the slate has a floor of virtually zero points. So, I mean, I, I think Taysom is probably cash worthy. I'm going to have to think it through a little bit more. I, I wrote him up as a, as a GPP only play for now, but I mean, it's, it's not a bad play at all. And it's only on FanDuel. It's just a super unique situation. Um, and when we get these unique situations, we have to take advantage of it. I think I like him for cash more than yeah, GPP. I mean, I think, TG, I think just real quick, you know, because I I think I don't know about his ceiling. Now you might have something where if he's throwing five passes, or he's getting if you know if he's as thin as a receiver, or if he's even getting you know ten carries next week, like okay, if he can fall in the end zone one time, maybe he can get you close to fifteen points, but. I'm just looking at him. Give me six or seven points so I can fit the rest of my guys together in this lineup, um, especially yeah, I mean, a wide I, receiver. I so I would I would just argue that because we have this situation where there aren't uh, a lot of very high scoring games, and they are playing the Falcons, which should be could be a huge shootout. We have ironically the last time we saw Taysom put up a ceiling game was against the Falcons on Thanksgiving last year where he got, I think he scored two different ways um, and was used very heavily. So, I mean, I, I, I do think he has a ceiling in this specific situation. All right. Very good. Let's move on to the uh, other guy, Hayden Hurst, taking on New Orleans, 5,500 FanDuel, 4,400 DK. Um, oh, we'll get to Mark Andrews. Let's just do Hayden Hurst real quick. Yeah, we'll get since, to Mark we're, since we're in, we're in, we're in already in the Falcon Saints game anyway. Let's do it, Hayden Hurst. What do you think? Uh, fifty five hundred Fanduel, forty four hundred DraftKings. This is potentially the highest scoring game of the slate. It has the same over under as the the Packers and Colts game right now, but uh, that game. There's a lot of ways that game can uh, be ugly. Both teams can can pace it down a little bit, especially if Devontae doesn't play. Uh, and the Colts' defense is really good. So uh, if I had to pick which game is more likely to shoot out, I would say uh, the Falcons and the Saints, even though it is the game with the higher uh, spread. Hayden Hurst, seven-plus targets in three straight games with Calvin Ridley out. Uh, in their last game, he saw eight targets. Hayden Hurst saw 50-plus yards in four straight games in five of the last six games. Uh, so he is uh, he's pro- probably be 
Besides what we just talked about with Taysom, on this slate, the the highest floor tight end, he's just getting that kind of work lately. Uh, and obviously, if it's going to be a high-scoring matchup, he has touchdown upside here. All right, Mark Andrews, 6,500 mm-hmm. Fandle, 4,900 DraftKings. What's going on with this guy? The floor, the lack of touchdowns? What's going on with yeah, him? Yeah, the, the offense hasn't um, hasn't been as dynamic as it was last year. And, and uh, obviously, if... Lamar's not throwing three or four touchdowns a game. Andrew's touchdowns are going to be down. Uh, I mean, his yardage is down too, but his price is accounting for all of those things. And he's priced low enough to where we, we have to, to chase the volume. You aren't going to get the type of, of volume or usage from Mark Andrews um, on this on this slate at tight end. Tight end got ugly really fast like we talked about last week. His price is down $900 on FanDuel on the year. It's down $1,100 on DraftKings since the start of the season. Uh, even if we just look at the last six-week period, still one of six tight ends averaging over six and a half targets per game. Uh, he's top three in terms of market share of air yards amongst tight ends. And Tennessee's one of the worst defenses in the league across the board. Uh, bottom 10 in adjusted fantasy points allowed to every position. 26 against tight ends this year. Hmm. Defense. The football team against the Bengals. 4,100 Fanduel, 2,900 on DK. Yeah, there. Uh, I mean, there are... We obviously have the... The big favorites this week, the the Steelers um, and the Chargers, but while they're decent, while you can afford them on on Fanduel, I think uh, getting up to those high price guys on DraftKings or the high price defenses on DraftKings is is pretty difficult. So I think the uh, the the medium range here is Washington, forty one hundred Fanduel, twenty nine hundred DK. They're top two in adjusted sack rate. They're really the only defense. Uh, that's even comparable to the Steelers in terms of uh, front seven. And then Cincinnati, they have one of the worst pass blocking units in the league, and they also throw at a very high rate. So that just lends itself uh, to more turnovers. And Washington is a slight favorite. When we adjust for strength of schedule, Cincinnati is bottom 10 in fantasy points allowed to defenses. And the Falcons, because they're facing Jameis and they're cheap, they're 2,300 on DK and 3,200 on Fandle. Yeah, they're five-point favorites. Uh, they're not a good real defense. You don't need a good real defense um, to be good in fantasy. You you take the discount. You get up to your studs at other positions. And, I mean, there aren't we, – we don't need to get into this season. There aren't any metrics to look at because Jameis hasn't played and the Saints aren't an offense that turns it over. But even though we talked about with Kamara, we don't know what they're going to do. If they do let Jameis be Jameis, uh, that's a very high-variance style of football. We've seen it throughout Jameis's career. He's always around the top of the league in interception rate. So unless it's just straight-up dink and dunks, which, I mean, they're not going to do. They're going to play football. Uh, this is going to be a high-scoring game. Jameis obviously has a ton of turnover potential. Right, we're going to discuss short slates and specifically applying to the three-game Thanksgiving slate in just mm-hmm. a sec. But... We all love snake drafts. We all love big prizes, but we don't all love big entry fees or multi-week contests. So Underdog Fantasy just released an all-new format for their snake drafts. It's called Battle Royale. In Battle Royale, you get a one-week team. You draft it like you normally would, but instead of only competing against the other teams in your specific draft, you compete with teams from other drafts. This way, they pull together the prizes so they can offer big tournament-style payouts, 
while keeping the live snake draft format. If you think this is your week and you could draft the best team, you got to try Battle Royale. It offers the big upside a normal snake draft can't with prizes that used to only be attainable in season-long or salary cap tournaments. So the first Battle Royale is up in the Underdog app and website. $5 to enter, has a $25,000 prize pool, pays out $5,000 to first place. So game theory, TJ, we're going to talk about playing some smaller slates, maybe the mm-hmm. funnest slate of the year, Thanksgiving. Do, real quick, got to get into this big question. Do you nap at any point in time during these games? Dude, I don't think there's a full day of football that I don't nap at some point. Seriously. I, I fall asleep, even if it's only for like five or 10 minutes. If I'm sitting on the couch for 12 hours, I, I fall asleep at some point. There's no, it's, there's no two ways around it. And those are the best naps. Cause you're oh, just, man, there, mine's <sighs> always the, uh, the, every Sunday, once that, that second slate of games kick off, I, I usually miss a good portion of the last part of the first quarter, beginning part of the second quarter. Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm trying to think because, you know, now I'm, I'm working all day on Sunday, live betting shows, watching the games, but I can't nap. I'm, I'm on. So it used to be when I could just sit at home on Sundays, it was a good, you know, I'd say, yeah, it was right there in the start of the second games. Like I'd watch the first quarter and then pass out until the fourth. Those were, yeah. I was out so cold for those naps. They're the best, the best. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, Thanksgiving, you, you get up, you, uh, yeah, some French toast, you, uh, maybe go play some, uh, some flag football, get the games on, usually nap during the second one and then have dinner. Yeah. Delicious. Sounds great to me. <laughs> Yeah, there's a, there's an app forthcoming. Hopefully, I hope I can pass out. Probably during the Washington Dallas game. That seems like the perfect time to pass out. Maybe first second quarters. Uh, so slates coming up, TJ. What's yeah. the most important thing to note about playing slates like these before we get into strategy? Yeah, well, I mean, they're they're really. I I don't think a lot of people are are really playing three game slates anymore. Uh, the the least popular slates. Uh, on any side or any multi-day slate i don't think a ton of people are playing um afternoon only slates just because they're they're overlapping with the main slate already so uh i i don't know if a lot of people have exposure to these outside of these uh, unique holiday slates or what have you but uh i mean just some things to point out that i think are intuitive if you think about it but if you just jump right into these games you might overlook or uh or, or forget in your lineup build so these are extremely high variance slate so I, like i said i thursday that thursday thanksgiving thursday it's, i think it's the most um fun slate of the year uh but obviously it's it's a small player pool and you're going to have a ton of lineup overlap and like we've talked about on this podcast before when uh it, it's it's kind of analogous to when you have super wide open salaries and you have those when you have that overlap it's going to be really high variance because you're just not going to have when you don't have the the lineup variation no matter how good you are at building these lineups there just aren't that many combinations so you're going to run into depending on the size of the game you're playing or the type of game you're playing whether it's cash or gpp you're just going to have a lot of scenarios where the you only have two or three sometimes only one player that's different from the other lineup so if if it's coming down to a pick em between two or three players that is going to have higher variance results um, 
than on a full slate when maybe you only have one or two players in common. So because of that, the the strategy is like don't fire off your whole bankroll on these things. If you're if you're playing a thousand dollars a week, don't play a thousand dollars on on the uh, Thanksgiving slate. It's going to be tempting too because there's going to be some million dollar prizes. There's tons of tournaments. Just lots of games are going to be available to you. But understand that like you should probably be playing a GPP heavy structure or a GPP heavy game mix, I should say. And because of that, you're adding variance to your game mix to a high variance game. So you should be playing less money. So come up with a plan. You're, you're, I don't think you're going to be wanting to be playing um, a ton of 50 fifties or head to heads, or you don't want that your, your primary game. Cause again, you're, you're going to be up against a lot of lineups that look the same. Uh, if you're doing it for fun, which most people are, most people aren't grinding three game slates figure out how much you want to play if you play a thousand bucks a week um maybe if you're really frisky you'll play i don't know three or four hundred bucks on, on the slate uh knowing it's high variance knowing you're not going to play a ton of cash games uh maybe play one or two 50 50s or, or double ups with a cash game lineup that you think is very solid let people make the mistakes and make a little money there but also i think it's a i think it's a pretty good slate to just use uh, 50 fifties to, to save your floor a little bit. And what I mean by that, say you're playing a, a five max tournament. The only action you're really thinking about having is a nice, uh, five max contest you find on Thanksgiving. Take those five lineups. If, if it's a, I don't know if it's 50 bucks, uh, for each buy-in, take those lineups and, and put each one in a, in a $10 50, 50, just so if, if none of your lineups are having great days, but they're all having decent days, you don't lose all of your money. All right. Very good. We've got uh, the biggest difference here is what mm -hmm. we've got to talk about between playing something like a three-game slate yeah. and the main slate. Can you start with ownership too? Because I think that's huge. Yeah, I, th I think that's really – that is the 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 biggest difference overall, and, and we'll get into some of the nuance on how that affects you. Um, but you're just going to have a way different ownership distribution than you're used to, and – I, you're one, you're probably not going to find ownership projections. And if you do, um, I mean, they're, they're probably not going to be insanely accurate because we don't have a, obviously we don't have a ton of historical data, uh, for these types of slates. Uh, but what we will find and what you can project pretty accurately is that the top guys are going to have very high ownership compared to to uh what they would have on a main slate so in a especially at the onesie position so in a, a normal slate at say actually all the onesie positions quarterback tight end and and defense you're going to see pretty flat ownership across those positions so you're you're almost never going to see a a quarterback or a defense in more than 20 percent of lineups and at tight end it's still pretty rare to even see them reach like a 25 percent ownership on these three game slates just do the math you'll have quarterbacks that are in 40 percent of lineups same with defenses defenses if it's a big spread you might see a 50 60 percent on defense in a gpp now i'm not even talking about cash game i'm talking about gpps um and then the skill positions you'll see through the roof ownership. You'll see 70% owned running backs, 70% owned wide receivers. And these are in the biggest contests available. So the the lever, the way you leverage is just really different on these slates. Whereas you might be thinking about being overweight uh, in on a main slate, 
Like if you think a guy's going to be in 30% of lineups, you might have in 50% of lineups. On these shorter slates, it's just really a lot more about um, not it's not the main priority, but you're going to be doing a lot more flag planting and a lot more closer to full fades or all in type things. Because if a wide receiver is 70%, the only way to be overweight on him is to have him in all of your lineups. Um, but if you barely use him, you're going to have massive leverage on the field just by not using him. Whereas if you have a, a wide receiver, the highest on wide receiver on the main slate might be 35% owned. So completely fading him. Sure, you're gaining some leverage, but you're not gaining massive leverage off that one play. On this kind of slate, if you fade the 80% owned guy and he busts, you all of a sudden have huge leverage on the field. So just kind of the way we think about how we're getting leverage and how these ownership percentages are going to play out are really going to, to change on these type of slates. Mistakes, mistakes, mistakes. Mm -hmm. What are the big ones everybody's making on these size slates? Yeah, I, I think just kind of build on what I just talked about with uh, how ownership is distributed across players. So on a three-game slate, we only have six teams. So in a slate like that, I, I think people, and obviously this isn't a ton of people because ownership percentages would reflect it, I think there's enough people, and you, you'll hear this being touted, that people think because there's only six games, because uh, there aren't a ton of players in the pool, I need some crazy off-the-wall play. Like, I need, like, the wide receiver five on my team uh, to be able to be different enough to take down a tournament. Uh, so I think people are kind of overemphasizing those, like, long shots that like the showdown type plays that you would use that a tight end two or something and kind of undervaluing how much leverage you could gain with low owned starters. Um, this isn't a showdown slate where you need that tight end to, to, to score for you to differentiate. I mean, if you think about how the math works, just kind of like a, a, I did a faux breakdown of, of how percentages might play out. If you have, a 35% owned quarterback and a 25% owned quarterback. There's only so much ownership to go around at the position at the position. So you're going to have a couple quarterbacks that are sub 10%. So you're going to have the potential for the most popular quarterback to be in five times as many lineups as the quarterback you choose. If you choose a low owned quarterback, same things with these other skill positions. And this is where I think people kind of start, overvaluing these super long shots it's like a wide receiver or something you got to think like i i assume there's usually every offense is going to have three really viable gpp winning uh wide receivers on their team at any given time but if we have a 75 percent on wide receiver and a couple 30 percent on wide receivers there's going to be a situation on these three game slates where like eight or nine wide receivers are accounting for like something like 90% of the wide receiver ownership. So if that's the case and we have three viable wide receivers on, on each team, we have 18 viable, viable wide receivers. We're going to have seven or eight wide receivers that are on the field for 60 to 80% of the snaps that are going to be in sub 10% of the lineup. So you don't need that like wide receiver five to go off. There's going to be wide receiver ones that are in sub 
uh, less than 10% of lineups. So um, I, I think people kind of get nervous or, or think that every player is going to be super high owned if they haven't played these slates a lot. But if you take the time to, to look at maybe in my breakdown this week, I'll do a, a kind of mock um, uh, ownership of this and to see how it plays out. But uh, you don't need a crazy off the wall play. And then, like I talked about, I think people kind of fear fading uh some of these most popular plays or, or going all in to be overweight on some of these plays like but look at the thanksgiving slate last year michael thomas he was in 75 percent of lineups in the big tournaments he only scored 11 fantasy points we had nine players that were in over 30 percent of lineups last year on the thanksgiving slate in the major tournaments on DraftKings. only two of those cracked 20 fantasy points so if you're building lineups in such a way that you're comfortable fading some of these popular plays, a fade is going to get you huge leverage on the field. You're, you're, you're going to have to plant your flag. It's going to be uncomfortable. Um, but uh, that that's just kind of the nature of these small slates. And then kind of the, the reverse of that is the people that are going to be tempted to, to cover all their bases. They're going to say, Oh, there's only six teams. Um, I can, I can kind of play a little bit of everybody. You're just going to spread yourself too thin, even with only, three games going on so let's let's talk about taking all this together mm-hmm. and come up with some strategies to combat all the mistakes yeah i mean you're you're not going to obviously if if it was easy we'd all be rich but like i said this is a uh, a very high variant slate so you just have to go into it knowing that if i'm playing mainly gpps which you should be I have a huge range of outcomes and there's a really good chance. I just don't make any money on this slate. It is what it is. So you have to be comfortable building a really relatively small core of players and planting your flags on those players, whether it be on players you want to fade or players you want to be way overweight on the 10% owned wide receiver, the 2% owned 5% owned quarterback. Uh, and you have to use that small player pool to populate your lineups. And you don't really need to go outside of that. If you have a core of players that makes up, I don't know, 80% of your player pool, and then four or five guys that are going to be low owned contrarian type plays that you're going to mix in through your core, that's how you're going to you're not going to cover all your base, all the bases, but that's how you're going to cover all your bases on the players uh, that you like. I think we've seen it this year. People are already emphasizing correlation a ton compared to last year's, but on these slates, you can really, if you want to, you can really oversize, overemphasize correlation. So again, kind of going back to last year's scenario where Michael Thomas was the Uber chalk in 75% of lineups, maybe the way to, be all in on that isn't to have 100% of Michael Thomas, but to have a lot of Michael Thomas, but to just like overstack that game. Like on these three, three game slates, you can make the argument where you might have six players from one game um, in a lineup. And, and that's a way to, to really leverage something like a popular play and what, and maybe the, the only um, high scoring game uh, or projected high scoring game of the week. And then another way to be really unique outside of these salaries, leaving salary on the table. Uh, a lot of times you'll see the, the winning lineup in a main slate in a millionaire. The most they'll leave is two or 300 bucks on the table on these slates. You can justify leaving $2,000 on the table. Um, if everybody's filling up there, if, if you see lineup overlap or players that are chopping, 
most likely it's going to be lineups that used all of their salary. If you leave $1,500, $2,000 on the table, $2,500 on the table, you're probably going to have um, a really uh, unique lineup, or at least give yourself a chance to have the most unique lineup. So don't be afraid to do that on these slates. A, a lot of people have never done that before, maybe, but uh, it's it's definitely a really good way to be unique. And then just focus on, like, in any tournament, you shouldn't be looking at raw projections, but especially in these, you're really just focusing on how are these games going to play out and then building lineups around that. Uh, a, a lineup optimizer isn't going to get it done on this slate. Uh, you really want to think, how's it, how is this game going to play out? If this, if I expect this team to win by a lot, and I expect these other two games to be close, what players are going to benefit from that? And that's how you build your lineup. And if you leave $1,500 on the table because of that narrative, then so be it. You could do it in this, but not in the Millie Maker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think you should throw out... Uh, Seven players from one game in the melee. No, you can't do it. It's illegal. Mm -mm. So anything else you want to do <laughs> before illegal. we get out of here? I mean, this will be it because the next time we tape will be after Thanksgiving for our next uh, our next show. We'll be taping that on, what, Friday? And we'll be dropping it on Friday. So it'll be a little different next week for Thanksgiving. Yeah, so uh, so make sure you guys hold on to this episode. And, and uh, while you're hanging out with your families, uh, this will be the, the theory segment you're listening to. And... and help you build those Thanksgiving lineups. So yeah, a little uh, extended break this week. We'll be back uh, not till next Saturday. So we'll only have 24 hours to, uh, to for you to absorb the podcast before uh, maybe, maybe 36 hours or something like that. But uh, before the, the Sunday slate, but it's, it's the holiday weekend. So everybody take a little bit of a break, uh, safe travels, everybody be safe for Thanksgiving. Uh, obviously a lot going on in the country, but, uh, also enjoy your holiday. We appreciate you guys. Uh, good luck this week. And, uh, before we take off, uh, make sure you, if you haven't signed up yet, promo code DFS MVP is 25% off the sub that's already dropped to $49. You could find us on Twitter. Still Holden at Holden radio, myself at TJ Hernandez, four for four at four for four football. We'll talk to you guys late. Next week. Baby check, baby one, two, three, four, check, baby check, baby one, two, three, it's check, baby check, baby one, two, it's check, baby check, baby one, yep, yep, it's Teddy, ready with the one, two, check up, Rex and the fences and the fence, but I'm the wreck off the track, bought the honey shaking bumps and the vaccine, booties of the cutie, steady shaking, but relaxing, the action, it's packed in a jam like a closet beach, bound to get you up cold.